Powerful Rigor of Florida True Crime Podcast. I'm Karen Curtis, and today I'm going to tell you about two different Florida men who had the same predilection, young children. Both took a young child from a store and raped and murdered the child. In the first case, the child was taken from the store, died by accident, but our suspect still raped and mutilated him after he was dead. Who is the suspect? He's either 41 or 42 at the time of his death, depending on your source, but his name is Johnny Paul Witt, W-I-T-T. He was executed by the state of Florida on March 6, 1985 for killing and sexually abusing and mutilating Jonathan Mark Kushner. He was 11 and the son of a University of South Florida professor. This all happened on October 28, 1973. Apparently, Witt's own father used to tell him, you'll never amount to anything. You know, things you tell your kids stick in their mind, so you have to be really careful. Words do a lot of damage. So John Paul Witt was executed after exhausting all of his appeals all the way up to the U.S. Supreme Court. And it was for the abduction and murder of the 11-year-old Tampa boy. The 11-year-old Tampa boy was riding his bike to a convenience store to buy candy for he and his brother. And he was pedaling to the store near the family home when he was knocked off his bike, bound and gagged, and driven to an orange grove. But he was gagged so tightly that he smothered to death. See, Mr. Witt had an accomplice in this whole sick scenario. There were two men, and when they opened the trunk, they found the boy dead. The killer sexually abused and mutilated the body in the orange grove. Yes, after he was dead. Now, Witt's wife, Donna, reported to police that her husband had confessed to killing the boy. I mean, sometimes, you know, you can't escape the big M and it just weighs on you and weighs on you and you have to confess it to get it. I mean, that which we don't talk about will consume us. So Mr. Witt described it was as a drifter, but he was married and he was convicted of murdering Jonathan Kushner the son of the dean of the University of South Florida who was abducted outside the convenience store. An authority said that Mr. Witt and his companion, Gary Tillman, had stalked the Kushner child, grabbed him as he arrived at the convenience store on his bike, that they gagged him, locked him in the trunk of Mr. Witt's car, and drove to the Orange Grove where they discovered the boy had suffocated. The body was sexually molested, mutilated, and buried in a shallow grave. Now, eight days later, Mr. Witt's wife provided the authorities with information that led to his arrest. Mr. Witt actually did admit to murdering the boy and drew a map which led police to the child's body. Finally, on March 6, 1985, at 7 a.m., Mr. Witt died from a single 90-second jolt of 2,000 volts of electricity in Florida's electric chair. And he declined to have a minister present in his final hours, and he turned down his last meal, but they did give him an omelet that he could nibble on. They said, do you have any final words before your sentence is carried out? No, I don't have any, he said. And this is the AP wire description of Witt's death while sitting in old Sparky which has now been retired. A dark mask lowered over his shaved head and a hooded executioner who was paid only $150 pulled the switch that sent 2,000 volts through Witt's body. The inmate jerked upward and the color faded slowly from his balled up hands after the surge hit. Little background on Mr. Witt. Apparently as a boy, he sang solos in the church choir. But as his father said, you'll never amount to anything, and he didn't, except that he was the 12th inmate to be executed in Florida and the 39th in the nation since the United States Supreme Court restored the death penalty in 1976. Mr. Tillman, his friend, 
who helped him, pled guilty to his part in the murder and was sentenced to life in prison. So he's probably still there rotting. And as I've told you in past episodes, I've kind of changed my tune about death row and state-sanctioned murder because I believe in some cases like this one, it's definitely necessary. Apparently, Mr. Witt, as he was led into the chamber and strapped into old Sparky, gave out a big sigh. Yeah, he deserved it. But I feel for the executioner who got 150 bucks. I mean, really, who gives him the right to take a life? That's, and it's apparently very hard on executioners because they go home and they're like, I killed someone today, even though the guy's a scumbag. It's still very hard on them. And I think now with the lethal injection, you have at least have to be a doctor, someone who can find a vein. I mean, a physician's participation is apparently central to execution by lethal injection because you have to have medical knowledge and skills. It's integral to conducting the procedure effectively. You know, you get a blown vein, which is horrific and rather inhumane. So that means, you know, that medical technology and a doctor's expertise are utilized to end a life rather than to sustain it. So many have problems with that. You know, the old Hippocratic Oath, do no harm. I think death's harm. And then, of course, there's the firing squad or death by hanging. I like the firing squad. South Carolina is given a green light for condemned prisoners now to be shot by a firing squad rather than having to go to the electric chair. They've even built a new chamber for $53,000 as a metal chair with restraints that faces a wall. The wall has a rectangular opening where three shooters carry out the sentence. Witnesses can watch. Oh boy. Inmates will receive a hood and be allowed to make a final statement. Not everyone on the firing squad has a lethal bullet in their gun, so they don't know which one fired the deadly shot. And usually they aim at the heart. But apparently, for some reason, if they happen to miss and the prisoner is not dead, then someone goes up like point blank range and finishes the job. Still have a few bugs to work out. By the way, Oklahoma, Mississippi and Utah are now allowing death by a firing squad. And only three prisoners in the United States have been executed using this method since 1976. But in my opinion, the absolute best way to be put to death on death row is with a nitrogen execution. It's the same gas that divers use, and it causes a euphoric high. You just kind of like drift off to sleep. It's very nice, right? Divers accidentally have died that way. But there's some problems. There's uncertainty because they don't know how the state's going to get the gas, how they're going to force inmates to inhale it. (laughs) They would probably hold their breath or resist, and how guards and visitors would be safe from the toxic fumes. It could be like wafting out there and kill the spectators. So there's a couple problems with that process. Breathe, scumbag, you've got to die. Anyway, speaking of scumbags, I bring to you my second scumbag of this podcast. He's currently sitting on Florida's death row, and he won't be electrocuted. Instead, he does get the spike. His name? Donald Smith. He's accused of the rape and murder of Cherish Perry Winkle. I kid you not, what a cute name. And she was an equally cute child. In June 2013, Cherish Perry Winkle was with her mom and her sisters. Her mom's name is Rain Perry Winkle, R A Y N E. And her two sisters were shopping at the Dollar General. And Rain Perry Winkle says that she was approached by this man, which was Donald Smith who she says offered to help her buy clothes for her children at a nearby Walmart. 
She said that she and her daughters agreed and they all piled into his creepy white van. I mean, why does every child molester have a creepy white van? It's like a must mode of transportation for them. And here's what Rain said that Donald Smith said to her. He looked into my face and told me I was safe. Whoa, you're safe, but not your eight-year-old. So after they arrived at the Walmart, Donald Smith, who, by the way, was and still is a registered sex offender, was apparently concentrating on the eight-year-old, Cherish. There's surveillance video, though, showing him leaving with the little girl at his side. Rain said the last time she saw Cherish Periwinkle was as the eight-year-old followed Smith toward the McDonald's. I was yelling, call 911, my daughter's been taken. Oh, God, like the worst feeling for a mother ever. Ever. Always. I mean, don't even turn around once. It can happen so quickly in a store. Same thing happened to Adam Walsh, taken from a South Florida mall. I've done an episode on his death as well. Apparently, South Florida is teeming with scumbags. And Don Smith, who I told you was a registered sex offender, had only been out of prison for a month. Can you say recidivism? These predators are out there. So, in fact, here's Rain Periwinkle's 911 call for help. He wanted her to buy these really tall shoes that were women's shoes, and I told him no. I said they're too high for her. I wouldn't even wear shoes that high. Maybe he was grooming her. I hope to God he doesn't kill her, and I hope to God he doesn't rape her. Oh, well, Smith was arrested the next morning, and Cherish Periwinkle's body was found that same day in a creek. She had been raped and smothered and had blunt force trauma to the back of her head. Poor kid, but she didn't go down without a fight. The whole takedown of Smith was rather dramatic, according to Jacksonville Sheriff's Officer's audio transmission. It all went down on Interstate 95, June 2013. Quote, there's five units up there. We don't need anybody else up on the van. Everyone else do a rolling blockade. I need units up in front of the van with stop sticks. Stop sticks are those spiky strips that police lay down on the roadway to blow the tires on a suspect's vehicle. And apparently it worked, and they took Smith on a felony takedown. So Smith surrendered to Jacksonville police hours after raping and killing Perry Winkle, who he had kidnapped from a Jacksonville Walmart and left in a wooded area in a creek. The interrogation video revealed that Perry Winkle injured Smith in the fight for her life. He said she effing bit me. Good for her. Ugh. Heartbreaking. Smith could also be heard on camera expressing concern for his mother's safety, asking deputies if there's anything police can do to protect his family while he's in jail. He says, I'm afraid for her to stick her hand in a mailbox. They're going to go through her trash. I'm just very fearful for my mother. She's old, he could be heard saying. Should have thought about that before you raped and killed an eight-year-old. So during the rape and murder trial against Smith, emotions were definitely running high. This was in 2018. The rape and murder went down in June 2013. The grisly details surrounding the slaying of Cherish Periwinkle were revealed to jurors, and many were overcome with emotion as the court was shown autopsy photos. They were so upsetting that the medical examiner, Dr. Valerie Rao, yes, the same ME I told you about in past episodes, had to take a moment while she was on the stand. She had taken the photos herself, for God's sake. Here she is on the stand. I'm sorry, I have to take a break. Can I just have like five minutes? I mean, it's so upsetting. It had to be upsetting, even after the fact. By the way, my book, The Accuser, the true crime story of the Big Dan's gang rape victim featuring Dr. Rao, is available on Amazon right now. 
If you like my podcast, I think you'll find it a good read. I've interviewed Dr. Bao about that case, and it's really interesting what happened to Cheryl Arujo, which, by the way, the movie The Accused was about, Jodie Foster. Well, this is the true story of how she died on a South Florida roadway. Cheryl Arujo, not Jodie Foster. She died before the movie came out. Meanwhile, Smith's defense attorneys asked the jurors to show Smith mercy because he's, quote, sick. Now, attorney Charles Fletcher said you can choose to show mercy, and sometimes mercy is given to someone who does not deserve it. You think? Well, the U.S. Supreme Court on January 24, 2022, declined to take up Donald Smith's appeal in the murder of Cherish Periwinkle. So he remains on death row. His attorney had asked the U.S. Supreme Court to consider the case because of alleged improper arguments by a prosecutor during Smith's trial. Well, the U.S. Supreme Court rejected the request, and as is common, the justices did not explain their reasons. So Smith is now 65 and an inmate at the Union Correctional Institution that's near Jacksonville, according to the Florida Department of Corrections website. I, of course, will let you know when Governor Ron DeSantis signs off on his death warrant. Well, that wraps up this Full Rigor. Be sure to check me out on Full Rigor Podcast Instagram to see photos of this adorable child, Cherish Periwinkle, and of course of Donald Smith. I'm just still trying to wrap my head around why this mother and her daughters would get into a van with a complete stranger. Okay, yeah, he said he would buy you some clothes, but, you know, there's no such thing as a free lunch. I'm not blaming her. I'm just saying look at the big picture. Please don't forget to subscribe and download my podcast on any of the platforms where podcasts are available. And give me five stars, please, if you enjoyed it. That wraps up Full Rigor. Until next time. Thanks for listening.